Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Tyron Barry Show. We have got Emma Peterson here with us, who is a psychologist and uh, swallowing my hair. Little backstory, we she actually used to be my tutor for um, psychology when I was studying psychology and was part the reason why I probably actually got through <laughs> the degree in the first place. But I have a question for you, Em, just to kick things off. So would you mind telling those listening a little bit about you, who you are, what you do and why? Sure can. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a no psychologist. I've spent kind of the last four years working in corporate psychology. So that's a very different field in that you're working with leaders to look after employee well-being. So you're looking at, you know, what's the environment we can create for employees in a corporate landscape and how do we, you know, create the most flourishing environment for them to be engaged, to do the best work and to perform really well, which was fun. Um, but I've recently made the move into kind of clinical psychology, which has felt like very aligned and kind of a, I guess a heart focused move, really wanting to work back into the individuals, um, supporting individuals for wherever they're at in life. And some of those individuals do have ADHD and some people are suffering with a variety of different things, um, just kind of, I guess, the human condition. Yeah. So at the moment, I'm I'm working in um, a place called Ritual House, which is like a holistic wellbeing centre for women, um, specifically for women. And I get to work with hypnotherapists and kinesiologists and naturopaths. And it's kind of this idea of like, let's treat the whole person. Let's look at what actually is going to help them Mm. from a really holistic viewpoint. And this has felt so much more aligned. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. That's where I'm working and I'm really enjoying it. Mm. I love that. And I really like that approach. I think that's something that we even like, we're not psychologists, obviously, but You know, I think even in the interactions that we have with people in our lives, like we often say, let's not just focus on, you know, getting therapy or let's not just focus on one specific thing. It's a holistic thing. It's like you said, it's managing diet, it's managing well-being and stress and therapy. And it's like that holistic approach, which is, I feel Mm. like really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we miss out a lot. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was just saying, I feel like we miss out a lot on like really um, holistic health and and growth and moving through things if we're just trying to attack it from one angle. I feel like there's like a whole gap that we can really help people more like holistically. Yeah. So I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And it would, yeah, would you almost also say that if we only – I guess, are focusing on like one component when treating somebody. Would you actually say that the outcomes of them actually, I guess, seeing um, changes and stuff is limited compared to if they do treat a lot more different areas? Yeah. I mean, you can definitely, I feel like anything's better than nothing, right? So, you know, seeing a psychologist is an amazing step forward. And of course, you're going to learn so much about yourself and grow and evolve from that experience. But if that psychologist can also talk to your naturopath and also talk to your hypnotherapist and work together as a team to look after your health, of course, you're going to have a more kind of, I guess, rapid or a more dramatic um, effect just because you've got multiple minds Mm. trying to problem solve what's going to be best for you. So it's so cool. Like I, yeah, I, I really, didn't think really I would like find that. an area yeah. like this where I'm in a team that I can do that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. I love that. And I love the, yeah, the 
I guess, the idea behind – it's Ritual House, isn't it? Ritual House, and it's spelled H-A-U-S, so it's, yeah, Ritual it's a bit House. different spelling, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I love I love that. It's almost like those, um, like, beauty therapist places where you've got the nail tech, the hair mm. person, you've got the beauty therapist, like, all in the one place, and you can kind of just – it's like that one-stop shop kind of – vibe i really like they that. almost can like troubleshoot to each other as well yeah yeah 100 yeah, yeah beautiful well one of the obviously it's coming into the new year and i think a lot of people are one winding down for the year but also prepping for the year ahead which can be both an exciting but also anxiety provoking you know, moment in time. Um, I know that I definitely feel probably that sense of anxiety when like looking back at the year past and going, oh, you know, did I do enough? And then looking to the year forward and kind of going, how can I set these goals? And I think that's where the conversation around New Year's resolutions really comes up. And I really, really was excited to have you on for this episode to kind of give a psychologist input on, you know, how can we tackle setting New Year's resolutions and having it one, actually still be healthy for our mind and not be this thing that's negative and heavy, but actually, I guess, a lot more healthy. So today we are going to dive into that topic. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, we're going to explore a few different things within that. But I guess the main thing is really taking the heaviness off, you know, the feeling of setting New Year's resolutions and then setting ones that are actually we're going to be able to stick to. Mm. So... That brings me to my first question. (laughs) So most ADHDs experience something called all or nothing thinking, which can also be phrased as black and white thinking. So Emma, can you start us off by talking a little bit about what black and white thinking is and how it can impact us? Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So firstly, black and white thinking, um, is a cognitive distortion, that's what they call it in psychology, but it's basically a thinking style that we all fall victim to. What the research is saying is that if you do have ADHD, you are more likely to have this thinking pattern come up for you Mm. and it be a bit more challenging for you. But it's also just helpful to know that this is something that occurs for everyone. And it's basically where we just think in extremes. We have this like really rigid way of thinking where it's like, good or bad, perfect or imperfect. It's like really rigid, the kind of thinking style. It's quite polarized. And because it's not flexible, the rigidity of it means that we fall off the bandwagon really quick if we have this thinking style. Mm -hmm. Because it might be, you know, someone sets a New Year's resolution to go to the gym four four times a week. And on the second week of doing it, second week of Jan, they've missed a session and oh well it's gone mm. it's over you know it's it's <laughs> i can only do it perfectly or i can't do it at all does that make sense yeah so yeah, and no, it's yeah. also sense. and we were actually yeah you go yeah oh, sorry you go no no please i would love to hear what you're going to say <laughs> i was going to say Barry and i always talk about this because i think again i understand obviously everyone does this but i think there there is this i guess common pattern in ADHD is specifically that we we tend to hyper focus on hobbies or new ideas and we have that impulsive nature to kind of go out and like buy all the things for a new idea and then you know I mean I've definitely done that with like a new year's resolution I mean 
am wearing a whoop <laughs> which is like a new band and like I'm I'm like you know I'm gonna get into fitness and health and I'll sign up to a fancy gym and then I'll sign up to Pilates and I'll buy all the exercise gear and then like you said come New Year's and come the week in if say I feel sick or you know something doesn't get me to that Pilates class or I have a rough couple of nights like it's like that all or nothing thinking comes in and it's like oh well I've stuffed it up already like I'm I'm done mm. nothing's gonna kind of continue in a way so I definitely relate to that and I think my question on that would almost be what would be some tips around how we kind of manage that and that pattern of thinking yeah yeah of course I think just back on what you were saying before that kind of like okay I'm going to sign up for the gym and I'm going to buy all the amazing gym outfits and I'm going to buy all the equipment and I'm going to pick the best of the best like that in and of itself Mm -hmm. is a really um, typical ADHD kind of pattern that we see where it's like the Mm -hmm. all or nothing thinking leads you to jump in with such um, kind of visionary standards of perfect and like if I'm going to do this, mm. I'm going to jump in so wholeheartedly um, and, you know, really do this so perfectly well, which is expensive as well. It can be an expensive kind of trait to keep up. Um, yeah. Why we kind of – maybe it's it's best to talk about why that can trip us up so people understand why it's actually yeah. um, a bad thing or not a bad thing but not a helpful thing. And then I can go into maybe some tips, yeah, no, that's um, as you said. Would that be helpful? Yeah, 100%. So I think like why do we want to address this type of thinking pattern? And again, let's not be black and white in how we address it. Sometimes you're going to have black and white thinking and that's okay. It's not like a hundred, we need a hundred percent get rid of black and white thinking because that in and of itself is quite rigid. So it's like, how do we understand Mm. how to think a bit more flexibly would be the goal here. But I guess why why we want to address it is it's not really in reality. Like for the most part, there's so much uncertainty and complexity in the world and there's so much grey. So if we as an individual think in terms of good and bad, right and wrong, perfect or just imperfect, then we're not really in touch with the the reality of the world, which is it's messy and it's kind of grey. So if we can kind of get in touch Mm. with this idea that life's evolving, it's changing, it's uncertain, um, then we can sit into this gray area and be more in touch with reality. So I think that's important to recognize. The other one, and you'll probably relate to this based on what you've said so far, is it's just not sustainable. So like the thinking pattern relies you to be perfect and 100% compliant for you to get to your goals. So that's just kind of Mm. impossible. Of course, you're going to get sick and something's going to come up and you're not going to be able to 100% of the time be compliant with your goals. So if when that happens, you just kind of fall off the bandwagon, then your goals aren't going to be sustainable goals. And this will probably help us when we're talking about New Year's resolutions. How do we make sure they're sustainable? Because that's Mm. the biggest thing that happens, right? We get to the end of January and it's kind of that was fun while it lasted kind of vibe. The other one is... um, Yeah, no, 100%. Is this making any sense? Are you you relating? Yeah, no, no, 100%. I'm loving it. (laughs) I've got a question on it, but I'll I'll let you finish first. Okay, okay. I would love love to hear your question. The last kind of one that I see is it can be a a form of letting oneself off the hook or self-sabotaging behaviours. So, like, Mm. if you think in black and white, it can be easy to make excuses to reduce effort. So what I mean by that 
I slept through my alarm so I didn't go to the gym is quite black and white, right? We can all relate Mm. to that. I'm pretty sure I can certainly relate Mm -hmm. to that. I slept through my alarm so I didn't go to the gym. Instead of I slept through my Mm. alarm and I went for a walk at 11 o'clock before my lunch break, you know, I slept through my alarm Mm. and I made sure that I still hydrated that day because I care about my health and wellness. So it can kind of cause self-sabotaging or just letting oneself off the hook. What was your question, Barry? I'm I'm keen to hear. My question was, um, I think as you spoke on that, uh, ADHD people can have um, a more um, increased version of that, the black and white. But can um, like stuff like trauma or anything during childhood or anything like that, can that increase the black and white thinking um, later on in life? Yeah, that's a, it's a tricky question. Trauma is such a complicated beast and how people deal with, um, make sense of and how their behaviours change due to trauma is so individual. So it, I would, mm. I wouldn't be able to say that it increases black and white thinking, but for some people it would. So for some clients, yeah. potentially, I can see people go into this mindset of placing people in good or bad categories. So a really rigid thinking style when it comes to relationships. And so for someone that's dealt with maybe trauma in relationships early in life or parents or whatnot, they might be quick to exit relationships because it's like, that person mm. did that mm. black and white thinking I'm out. So I've seen that before, yeah. but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far to say as if you've had trauma, you're definitely going to have more black and white thinking patterns. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know if trauma was the best word for what I was trying to get across, but I, I definitely can see how it could be the black and white thinking could be a safety mechanism or mm. stuff that's happened or from a lesson learned. It's a, it's a thing that kind of com- comes up and they're like, okay, exit, or they do something from I, that. I think even even the um, – because, like, obviously, yeah, the, the trauma plays a role, but I even think that it's more – like, the question you're probably asking is more about, like, the beliefs people hold about themselves. Yeah, so, like – maybe that. Because, you know, obviously trauma and, and just life in general can create – beliefs like within ourselves Mm. because it's evidence within the environment that it's caused a like belief basically so like I might believe that I'm only lovable if I'm perfect or I'm only successful if I complete all of my new year's resolutions or you know to to be you know happy and healthy I have to have new year's resolutions that I'm working towards Mm. so like those beliefs might be like the driving kind of like factor and then the Mm. black and white thinking would be that if you didn't achieve that yeah. waking up early and going to the gym then yeah you failed yeah because I, I, yeah. I know for like even just my own personal journey like growing up with ADHD and like my my story is that I went to five different primary schools so I mean while I don't directly remember every single teacher and the negative comments that were um, I guess directly said to me I do remember the feeling mm. and I remember the feeling mm. of you know feeling dumb or feeling you know, not capable. So then I kind of overcompensated and it was like, okay, well, I'll set these goals for myself and I'll prove them wrong. And then that's where the black and white thinking for me really started where it was like, okay, like it's this constant sense of having to, you know, prove something or like, and that was just my personal kind of journey with with that. And that was, I guess, based on, 
yeah, ne- negative experience or even just childhood kind of experiences. Mm. Which makes perfect sense. Like our brains are literally just trying mm. to kind of get us through and adapt to the environment that we're in. And it makes perfect sense for a young person's brain who's potentially being told or felt like they're a nuisance, they're not capable, they're not going to amount to anything, that feeling of just I'm not good enough. Well, what's the best way for me to deal with it? Potentially if I am perfect and if I set myself goals and are 100% compliant with them, then that's not true. I can like avoid feeling that way, even though deep down that's my sense of who I am. So yeah, 100% that can come out. And you see it with like, the words should and must and always and never like that's if you have those vocabulary in your day-to-day life that's a sign that we are thinking in those real kind of rigid extremes Mm. yeah I use that a lot I think should I should go to the gym or I should yeah do that yeah I think for I think as well for and this is a conversation that we always have um and bringing it back to the I guess the ADHD conversation in that I think we often also are holding ourselves a lot of people with ADHD are still holding themselves to a neurotypical standard which is where those statements I've of I should come into play so like I should be able to you know complete more in the day I should be able to get the washing done I should be able to and we're not talking about grand you know new Mm. year's resolutions at Mm. this point we're just talking about daily tasks so I think you know when that's happening on such a small scale um, it's obviously also going to happen on that larger scale. And I know even just from my experience of talking with, you know, like we have a membership um, where there's like, there's been, you know, 150 ADHDs in there and there's always a sense of everybody within, well, not everybody, but the majority within that group um, always has this sense of needing to be perfect in whatever the goal is. And that often what we've seen, the pattern is then leading to burnout um, and this constant kind of like cycle that I find is very common within the ADHD space. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And the cognition that I see a lot of is it should feel easy. It should be easy for me to do this. Mm. It's almost like dismissing one's own sense, one's own self. Like as someone who has ADHD, what they tend to say is they go, um, and you'll relate to this, it's like, but I should be able to do that. Like I just should be able to get my washing Mm. and get it up to date and then have a clean house and I should be able to do that. It should feel easy. Mm. It shouldn't feel this hard. So, yeah, I can totally understand and reflect back. I hear that so much. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think even it's funny because like, I remember, and that was a statement that was so real in my life, even just um, having yourself as a tutor in that I would always go, like, I should just be able to be like my peers and not have to have help or have someone Mm. break it down or have someone like sit there as I'm writing. Um, But throughout my whole uni degree, you know, I, I did need that body, whether it was a body double, like I think MU taught me a lot of like the, um, like I still even hear your voice when I'm like typing something, I'm like, put a comma there. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, pause, comma. Anyway, but like I, um, throughout my, yeah, you, you need to agree. I did learn how to write and whatnot, but I still needed that body double. And mm. I, I remember the guilt and the shame and all the things around like, you know, I shouldn't need a tutor. That means I'm dumb or that means I'm X, Y, Z. Um, 
And yeah, I think I think the the biggest conversation around, particularly when we start talking about the new, uh, sorry, the New Year's resolutions, is around actually kind of looking at them and going. For, in the first case, are we setting resolutions that are unrealistic and that aren't actually designed? to be suitable for someone with ADHD to complete. Like setting a goal, like I'm going to do my washing every single time it, you know, is done. The second it comes out of the washing machine, I'm going to put it away. Hmm. While that may seem realistic or doable and achievable, it actually might not be. (laughs) And that might not be a suitable goal. And if we set that goal, we are actually more likely to just kind of feel this guilt and this shame which then just perpetually makes us mm. kind of go into that black and white thinking where it's like, if we're not going to do it, I'm not doing it. Mm. Yeah, might as well give up. And it's that, yeah, it's that whole thing. And I work so much with clients on this. We have to set you up for success. I don't want to set you up for failure mm. and you shouldn't want to set yourself up for failure mm. because I don't want to reinforce this belief in you that you're not good enough. But really, it's just about how we're setting up your expectations. Like, we are setting you up for failure. So let's work on how we can actually make sure we're really setting up realistic goals and goals that aren't based on, like, it's so funny because, like, in corporate world, it's all about smart goals and metrics and KPIs. Mm. But really, when it comes to kind of human functioning, we're wanting to shape identity. We're not wanting rigid goals. We're not wanting four times a week at the gym. We're not wanting only eating healthy meals. We want to become um, a person who values sport. We want to become a mindful eater. Mm. Like it's about the identity, not the targets. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and that's been that's even been something very pivotal in in like our own journey. Is it's like yeah, how do you step into the identity of a person? that would lead that life or live that kind of way. Um, and then, yeah, tailoring them slightly, like you said, to be set up for success. So like even there's there's one example, and I, I've used this a bunch of times on the podcast, but I'll always keep using it because I think it's brilliant. I've seen it work with so many of my ADHD um, clients and whatnot. But we, you know, most humans have the goal or just a habit where it's a good idea to brush your teeth twice a day twice a day, morning and evening. For ADHDs and for a lot of people, depending on where they are at in their ADHD and even just their mental health kind of journey, you know, that in and of itself can be a complex thing to remember and to do. You know, the amount of times I've walked upstairs and I've gone to brush my teeth and then I'm, you know, washing the the mirrors and then I'm taking the washing down to the thing and I haven't brushed my teeth. So one of the things that I do is like, let's just aim to do it once a day or twice a day and then not be a set time it's just Mm. you do it when you see it or you do it when you have the feeling to do it so like having a toothbrush in your kitchen or having a toothbrush in your laundry so that when you see it you just do it and so Mm. like that would be kind of any is that kind of an example of you know setting a goal up for success I guess Yeah, that is an example of like being more flexible in your approach of setting that goal. Like if that was a goal that someone was, you know, aiming towards, it's like, well, why, like asking them, well, why does it have to be at set times? Like who set that up? Whose um, should is that? Is that yours to Mm -hmm. own? Or do you want to be a bit more flexible in your approach? And then it's about, okay, so now we know that the environment is so highly distracting for you naturally. So then how do we use that for our advantage? So let's place things in your periphery. 
let's actually place things in your eyesight so that we can use your ADHD as a trigger, like a positive trigger for different health behaviours yeah. or hygiene behaviours. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's tapping yeah. into that strength for sure. I, I remember watching something or listening to something where um, they were breaking down the fact of someone had to clean their room or unpack a a um, a, uh, a drawer in their in their bedroom. And I think the first step was actually just going and looking at it, like just looking at the drawer a mm. few times and not actually having to clean the whole room. Um, I think you spoke a few to a few points before where you were talking about the goals or the, the wording that people use. Um, what are kind of some examples of words that would be better than should mm. or those other mm. ones that you, you kind of spoke to before? Yeah, great question, Barry. So if we're using these words like always, um, never, they're like signals that we need to pay attention to. Okay, maybe I'm being a bit rigid right now. So I always mm. sleep in. I never can follow through on anything. We're, we're also programming our brain to believe that as well. So it's like we've got to be careful about the language we use with ourselves because it's actually what we're feeding our brain. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like if you think about the words you use as the food you eat for your brain, we want to try to be feeding kind mm. of more flexible, healthy thoughts mm. where possible. Again, we're never going to get it perfect. We're never going to get it 100% right. So it's just mm. like where possible. So a word I like to use is like sometimes. Like sometimes mm. I don't follow through on the tasks and sometimes I do because that's actually more truthful. So I would be replacing mm. things with the word sometimes. I also love um, mm. helping people to explore yes and. So the and. So it's mm. yes, I'm a good person and sometimes I make mistakes. Yes, mm. I face difficult things. And I, well, yes, I faced difficult things this week. And I also experienced good moments this week. Yes, yeah. I just ate McDonald's for lunch. And I'm going to cook a healthy dinner tonight. Yes, mm. I yeah. didn't go to the gym this morning. And I'm going to go for a walk with Barry this afternoon. So it's like allowing ourselves mm. the flexibility of going, yeah. I maybe did a behavior that wasn't towards the person that I want to be, but that is totally okay because I am human and let me get back on the bandwagon. Have you heard yeah. of like casting a it vote towards... Like... Sorry. No, you go. You go. You I finish, finish you yours. I feel like maybe there's a delay. I feel so bad. I keep jumping in on you, There, there is a little you... bit. Sorry. So, <laughs> sorry, okay. Tara, you please go. I would love to hear. I can't even remember. No, what I, I was think you say. were more. You were along yours a bit more than yeah. You go. Us. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, have you heard of the idea of casting a vote towards a person you want to be? No. No. Would you like to hear about it? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tell us. <laughs> so. With, with clients and with myself, I think about like, you know, when you vote in the election and you go and you put your vote in the ballot, I think they call it, I'm not really sure. Mm. You put your vote in the boxy thing. Mm. I like to think of <laughs> every day we do certain actions and they're either putting a vote in the box towards the life that we want, the mm. values that we have, who we want to be, the identity we want to shape, or they're not. And sometimes... We will have more votes in that day and sometimes we won't. 
and it's not about every single action has to be a vote towards. Sometimes your paper is going to go outside the box, but it's allowing yourself to go, yes, that paper went outside the box and now I'm putting a paper in the box. I'm putting a vote towards the person mm. I want to mm. be. Because over time, you're building up your trust in yourself that you're a person who follows through. You're shaping the identity that you want and you're moving yourself towards a life which is aligned with your values. But it's like totally messy mm. science. Like it's not perfect in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I, I really love that. And I think that that actually comes back to one of, yeah, one of my favorite, I guess, quotes or sayings where it's like, it doesn't have to be 100% better every day or even 90% better. It just has to be 1% better every day. Like that's it. And like, I mean, I've, I feel like in the last probably eight months in particular, like I've really taken that approach um, where like for me, when I first even started my medication or even just, you know, I guess healing through some eating, like bad eating patterns and whatnot, you know, the old me, kind of set those rigid things where it's like I have to eat three meals a day which are cooked you know I have to go to the fresh food market and I have to you know I set all these like rules upon like how I did it whereas in the last eight months it's really been about hey how can I just just eat more Mm. like how can I just eat to feed my body and that just be the goal and then now that I've achieved that goal now it's like okay how can we start making little shifts where it's like you know, okay, can we add salmon? Can we add some more protein? Like it's just adding these little one percenters each day Yeah. Um, mm. that has made such a big shift in actually seeing like outcomes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like that building block approach. I really love that. Yeah. yeah. So when we, when we think of New Year's resolutions, with all this kind of in mind, how would you, I guess, because awareness obviously sounds like that's, that's the biggest part. Like it's first actually starting to maybe even just see where and as we start setting these resolutions and goals, where we're actually saying those words. I should do this or, you know, every week I have to do that or, you know, I always have to blast. So like how do we once we've got that awareness, what's kind of that next stage in, I guess, actually setting some goals? Mm, yeah. I think first, it's, that's a great question. And it's like, there's so many ways I guess I could take it. Um, I think the first thing that's really interesting about New Year's resolutions is understanding like what actually happens in our brain. Because when we think about setting ourselves up for the new year and imagining the possibilities of who we could become and who we want to be and how we want to mm. show up as our best self, our brain is literally like dopamine loving because it's visualizing mm. you yourself yeah. now as like perfect you, like robot you that just <laughs> does everything that you set your mind to that just follows through like a hundred percent. And your brain is like, this is incredible. I'm so pumped. Like I'm motivated, right? Which is why it's so alluring. Yeah. It's like we all do it. It's like a fresh start. Yeah. So one, it's just mm. like noticing that and understanding that and knowing that, okay, let's try not to get caught up in that because we know it doesn't work. If we set goals that are so far yeah. out of reach, we are setting ourselves up for failure. So then I, th yeah. I start to think about, well, what do you, and then the other thing is like society sends us down all of these paths of like mm. all these goals that we should have, which is so 
potentially surface level and shallow and maybe not aligned with our best self yeah. and our values. So I would always start on yeah. like mm. values, like what matters to me mm-hmm. most in my life. Truly, if I like deleted social yeah. media and I lived in a rural suburb, like what would actually matter to me if I wasn't surrounded by society? Mm. What do I actually care about? Mm. Who is that person? So not like how many times do they go and do go to the gym and how much money do they make and all that sort of stuff, but who mm. are they? Like what's the identity? And then how do I make mm. minimal small shifts that I can build upon throughout the year to get me closer to that? And how do I do it mm. without being so rigid about it? So for instance, yeah. I use this analogy a little bit with some clients I could set a New Year's resolution of running four times a week because I want to become a runner, right? And Mm -hmm. some weeks I will probably run four times a week. Other weeks I might not run four times a week. If I had a black and white thinking pattern around it, then it would be pretty easy for me to be like, well, this is just not me. I'm going to give up. I can't do it. I've let myself down again. I'm not a consistent Mm. person. Just like berate myself. But if I had the Mm. goal of I want to become a runner, like I want to be able to look at myself and be like, yeah, I'm a runner. Like I run. Like that's that's my identity Mm. because it's aligned with my health Mm. and I just – I want the mindfulness aspect of it. I just want to be a runner. Then in a year's Mm -hmm. time, if I ran twice one week, five times another week, once another week, twice the other week, five times the next, and it's like up, down, up, down, up, down. But in a year's time – if I can look back and be like, I ran, I'm a runner. You know, mm. it's not it's not so mm. rigid. It's trying to think about the identity, I think, is a big thing. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no. I, I really love Yeah, oh. I, I really love love that you've said that because I think that was really where I was hoping that this conversation would go. Because I I, I personally think that having these rigid, you know, um, New Year's resolutions, they well, I mean find me one person that's ever stuck to them firstly. (laughs) Um, And then secondly, I I just don't think that they're, I think that naturally, like you were saying, we want to, you know, the the new year, it it signals this new horizon. Mm. It's this moment where we can hit the reset button. It's very alluring to want to kind of, I guess, try to do those things. But like, I truly think that the conversation really comes down to let it still be that restart, but let it do it in the way like what you were saying with like from an identity place. Like Mm. for ADHD is I would love to encourage them to let it be the year that you actually just start accepting yourself as an ADHD and just seeing the world that way. It doesn't necessarily have to be this like, you know, rigid way of thinking. It's just this year I am someone who accepts accepts who I am. And so I really love that you... Yeah, that you like said that just then. Yeah, I think I think social media, as you said at the beginning, I think uh, Emma is massively detrimental in, in your in people's goals because you mm. set goals, and majority of the time your goal is the same as someone else, mm. um, and you see that person get their goal if you miss yours, which then you go, oh, they can do it, why can't I? Yeah, so I- then, so then you start that whole situation. Um, in your head and I think there's a massive part of yeah Mm. massive comparison I think there is a bit where you hitting that 
that um that hide button or <laughs> what do you yeah. call it again the the, oh, yeah, um, the, the mute, I always the mute say button. go heavy on the block and the mute yeah, button. Yeah, the mute like, button for a little <laughs> bit while you're media. trying to start might be a good a good yeah. thing. Yeah, I think, um, and I think that kind of comes back to the conversation we had like a few episodes ago on the podcast around comparison. Mm. And because at the end of the day, like let's say that we, you know, we do set these rigid goals where it's like I ran four times a week every week, but I only made it four months like even though you might have ticked that box and there might be a little sense of achievement or whatnot, nine times out of ten, you're just going to set yourself a more intense goal. Yeah. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like nine times out of ten, a lot of times when we when we actually achieve a goal, we don't even really... We're just, we just set the next goal. We yeah. just go for the next thing. Whereas when it's an identity thing, like with the running and you're instead of, you know saying I'm going to run four times a week and just ticking that box yeah. going, I'm a runner. You get to actually kind of, it's a different intention. And I think you get to benefit a lot more from, you know, the mindfulness, you know, the feeling of it, getting like actually embracing that as who you are. You get to know yourself to as well. Yeah. A goal. Like yeah. A yeah goal it's more embodied. Yeah. I don't even know if that makes sense. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. It's just like, a, it's a more wholesome goal because there's more to it than ticking a box. I uh, wanted to say yeah. something before that. Oh, yeah. The other one that I think is really cool, which is a bit weird, is if people have like typical, right, eating physical health goals, very common. We all do. Mm. So let's like not lie about it, right? We all want to be our best self, look our best yeah. self, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Um, stuff up on the 1st of Jan. Like if my goal yeah. this year is to have more protein in my meals, potentially, right, I'm going to eat the chocolate mm. on January one to get rid of the perfectionism. Like, I'm not going to try to be perfect. I'm going to, like, nip it in the butt from the get-go. So it's like, okay, so now that we can't be perfect, let's let's proceed and let's focus on progress. (laughs) I really like that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like stuff it up. I love that. It can only go uphill. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost like that, um, I guess, in psychology, like exposure therapy in the sense of you're just exposing yourself to the worst-case scenario at the get-go and it's like, oh, well, only upwards from here. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and being able to go, oh, that didn't <laughs> Not- mean anything and now I can continue to yeah. yes and, yes, I had chocolate and blah, yes and comes mm. in. And I think people think um, yeah. like they set the goals at the start of the year and then it's like they can't change them or they're rigid, but it's I would rather mm. set goals yeah. that are smaller and I can escalate them throughout the year. Like if, if my systems are working and I am getting the washing done and I am keeping the house relatively clean most of the time, then I can kind of es- escalate my goals. Like it's not like you have to be set with the ones that you set at the start of the year. So I would always yeah. go kind and go softer. And a question that I always ask people is, what percentage likelihood can you give me that you will be able to follow through on this consistently? And if it's less than 70%, I'm like, make it smaller. Make the goal smaller. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not 70% or more confident that you can actually yeah. follow through on it, make it smaller. It's that whole thing of like set yourself up for success. Yeah. Don't be your own worst enemy. Don't be like the, the hardest coach out there that's going to set like all these impossible mm. goals. Like you actually mm. want yeah. to set no, yourself really up like to that. win. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like the fact of asking 
that that hard question of how what what is the percentage of you actually achieving this and then you can break mm. it down and go to the the 70 or 80 percent as you said mm. where it's like yeah i can do that and then yeah. build that confidence and then the goals get bigger i think in an adhd as brain you'd probably answer 100 percent though if i'm being completely honest with you because i think in in that in that moment of impulse and hyper flowing. focus and like like you really truly feel a sense of like, yeah, 100%, I can do it. Like the amount, and Barry's seen this conversation happen probably once or twice a week. The amount of times I'm like, because he, he'll say that to me, especially like you said at the start, Emma, you know, running into these, um, I guess, goals or impulsive moments, I'm convinced. I'm absolutely convinced. And, you know, I convinced Barry, like Barry, Barry will try to play devil's advocate and he'll be like, you know, are you really going to go to that Pilates membership that's, you know, 70 bucks a week that you did a 10 day trial and you only went once? Like, is it really a great idea to sign up? And I'm like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like they've got a Black Friday sale on, like this is the best idea ever. Um, and I think if you were to ask me in that moment, like Tara, like out of a hundred, are you a hundred percent going to actually succeed at this? I would genuinely in that moment say yes. Mm. Ask yeah. me now, the evidence is there <laughs> that I'm not. But I think actually understanding that about yourself has been key. So yeah. I understand that that's my pattern. So I didn't yeah. buy the membership and now... I get to go, cool, I'm glad I didn't spend that and lock myself into a six-month contract of a membership like that. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's a super good example of just building that awareness around ADHD and that helping you to make life decisions. So, like, not locking yourself into long-term things is actually, like, a really strategic decision, right? The other thing that um, like as a partner or or a psychologist can do is they can go, okay, well, let's look at that 100%, that 100% likelihood and Mm. let's look at past experiences and what's changed Mm. about you Mm. from you six months ago to you now that would allow you to do it. Like what have you learned? What skills have you acquired? Like what's actually changed? So trying to get a little bit more, I guess, logical and then also forward planning. So like, okay, Tara, you have had a 40-hour work week. You've been filming, you've been doing podcasts all week and you've just been invited out for dinner but you haven't been to the Pilates class that week. What, um, how are you going to get yourself there? You know, like what do you really yeah. feel in that instance that you will be able to? And sometimes that can help make it a little bit more um, nuanced. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like that, that's very much so like what... I think it's a skill that you develop over time. It was not a skill that I had for a long time. Um, And like you said, you know, having a psychologist or having a partner, you know, obviously they're great luxuries to have. But for people who don't have that, it is also being able to internally do that yourself and find that past evidence yourself and find those patterns and go, okay. And I think like that's actually what I would really encourage ADHDs in particular to do going into the new year and potentially wanting to set new year's resolutions is one what you were saying before in really keeping it small and asking yourself those questions but also then looking back and asking all those questions you just said of like you know what have I now learned what have I now got in my toolkit that's actually going to help me succeed and if possible if not do I need to kind of re-adjust to those kind of goals 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, going to I'm going to be using what Emma said before. Tara, you've worked 40 hours a week. You've done this, you've done that. Is that really what you want to do? I do that a lot. <laughs> I'm going to use that. That's <laughs> really good. Yeah, it's like putting, yeah. trying to really paint a very thorough picture of what that would look like. Like mm. you'd want to get the person to actually embody being tired, having had a big week, feeling mm. exhausted, and being able to kind of perceive it from that human. It's like you want to yeah. time travel. I, I like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like I like the way you did, you said it as well. It's like bringing the evidence, not in a judgment like a judgmental way. It's more of the evidence based. Like you've well, done. It's what, it's what we always say, like having that curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And digging that that little bit deeper. Yeah. yeah. That's a that's a big thing. Um, I think for everyone, but yeah, particularly ADHD is because, like I said, we really are our own worst enemy sometimes. Like. I sometimes feel like there's two Tara, like two Taras battling one another. Like there's the impulsive Tara and then there's the rational Tara mm. and rational Tara is trying to talk to impulsive Tara and it's just not, yeah. not happening. Um, yeah. But anyway, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. So I, I loved, guess kind of. Sorry, can go? I just say one thing? I loved what you guys just said then about curiosity and what Barry said about like not judging. Because sadly, I see a lot with if you've got a couple with one ADHDer and one person who doesn't have ADHD, it can be that the person who doesn't have ADHD becomes the the parent or becomes the um, mm. I know you better than you know yourself. So it's almost like they call the yeah. shots and it becomes a little bit manipulative. So it's mm. like Tara goes, I want to join this gym. And instead of being curious and kind of helping her to unpack it and come to her own decision, it could be that someone goes, mm. but I know you better than yourself. You'll never attend. So you shouldn't get it, which is mm. so belittling and so dismissive yeah. and can create a really bad dynamic. So I, I love that. I just wanted to call 100%. that out. Yeah. yeah. And, I'll, and I'll point out everything and she'll still buy it and go, but... <laughs> <laughs> which is but great you, that's I, you I though you still create that space like <laughs> yeah, the curiosity 100%. is there and look i think you know there's also that patience with yourself like you have to again it's like what emma said you know having the sugar on the first day of some of yeah. um the new year like sometimes you actually have to really like say to yourself you know yeah all the evidence there you're telling me you know you're you're reminding me you're helping me get curious but i'm gonna go ahead with it and then it's, you know, when the next one comes, you get to say, you know, just, you know, gently reminding you yeah. how last time. And then it's like slowly, it's like that idea that the more you're aware of something, the you can't ignore it yeah. as easy. Like the more I've become aware of how my ADHD works, I literally can't ignore it. Yeah. Like your case gets stronger every time. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, the evidence is there. And and yeah. rational Tara's case gets stronger every time too. Yeah. And it truly is just a muscle that, that builds and builds and builds. Yeah. Um, so I guess when it comes to the New Year's resolutions, for the people that are wanting to set them, I guess how would you, I guess, suggest them to kind of do that? So a lot of people, you know, we have goals around relationships. We have goals around um, social kind of things. We have goals around, I guess, health, fitness, health, fitness yeah. spirituality, physical, all those things. I think from what I've gathered from you, what I'm going to be doing is I would actually list out those categories and I would almost like write the identity statement 
for each one. So like, you know, I am someone who is social sometimes and introverted other times. And Mm. it's like actually shifting that identity, like that black and white identity around each of them. But I'd love to hear your take on, I guess, some practical kind of things that they could do. Yeah, so I think you've you've nailed it with the whole co- concept of looking at your identity. Another a practical goal to set is looking at like what feeling do you want to embody in your year? Like I find that's really healthy. Mm. So when like for instance last year I did a big vision board. Like cuz the other thing to say is um, it's not like we shouldn't do this. Like it's actually really fun as humans to set new year's resolutions and it's like let's not take all of the joy out Mm. of it like let's actually live into it because it is great to think about our best self and it's it's not an unhealthy thing if we're just a bit more aware so i did up a massive vision board Mm. and and had different photos and and used it as a way to inspire myself so i used my vision board more as a motivation Mm. board so an inspiration board and instead of set goals like go to the gym four times a week or whatnot I set like Mm. word intentions. So one of them was energy. Mm. Like I really want to be as Mm. energetic as possible. Another one was joy. Like I want this year to be a year of joy. Another one was romance. I got married this year. So it was like all about romance and like living into that journey. So setting some word Mm. goals, I think sometimes is also really helpful because it's about like, what do I actually want this year to be about? Because then you can use yeah. that as a bit of a goal. So every moment we're making decisions, in the moments this year when I was making decisions, right, am I going to go out and enjoy a night with friends or stay in and do some work? My goal is joy, energy, you know. So how does that help me make mm. my decisions here? That for me was helpful. Yeah. Um, and I think it could be helpful yeah. for others to I, think about it in that way. Yeah, that's, that's I, I think really that's, that's yeah. really powerful. And I think that's actually what, you know, instead of, like we said, sitting down, writing, go to the gym four times a week, I think just embodying those. And I think particularly for ADHD is the vision boards hold a, I mean, everyone has this, you know, we need that visual kind of thing. But I think particularly for ADHD is in the sense of out of sight, out of mind, um, you know, actually being able to see oh I want that feeling Mm. you know it's not actually about the Pilates class it's that I want the feeling of moving my body more this year I want the feeling of sitting on the beach and watching a sunset more this year Mm. and I think that yeah that's a hundred percent you've hit the nail on the head we've landed right where I wanted yeah no I I really (laughs) like the feeling the feeling yeah like one of mine for this coming year is awe like A-W-E, or, which is kind of what you said before, Tara, that yeah. jogged my memory, is like sitting on the beach and watching a sunset, going to a musical, like seeing things that feel magical and awe-inspiring. Like that's a word for mm. this year for me. Yeah, yeah. and sub- yeah. subconsciously seeing those pictures, like actually on your vision board, like I've found that like, I mean, call it manifestation or whatever it ends up being, but like I find that subconsciously they just get in your brain and yeah. without actual much effort you just kind of do the thing yeah like you just kind of continuously program your mind to go to pilates or go to this go do that and it's like it it's a lot less yeah it's not like the visual things i think don't last but a feeling can really Mm. if you're if you're wanting to chase that feeling that feeling's more powerful than that object 
Yeah. Yeah. And you can 100%. always chase it, well, even if you've had a bad week, a bad yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the feeling is more, um, uh, why, uh, wider or mm. broader, broader, mm. the feeling's more broader. It doesn't have to be, I go to the gym that as you, as you've um, stated before, it's not going to the gym. It's going for a walk because they're the same feeling. Mm. Um, it's less it just, rigid. Yeah. It's less yeah. rigid Again, and less, less rigid. black and white. Like it gives that, yeah. that moment of like, cause like, for example, if one of yours is to relax more in the year, you know, relaxing could be going on a picnic, but it could also be laying and watching Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Like, so it's, your word it's not, could be space you know, there's no, for that year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like it's, cool. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, Em, this has been one of the most, my cool. favourite one. I'm yeah. going to be listening to this episode over and over again. <laughs> I'm glad. I feel like I've taken so much away from it. But I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit more about potentially where they could find you and if they're curious about you and what you do and working with you, where they can kind of, I guess, do that. Yeah, sure. So I, my psycho, well, my Instagram profile and TikTok is psychologist.emma. So you can always check me out on that. I'm in no way, shape or form an expert in social media, but I'm trying to put myself out there a little bit more. So you will see me giving little tidbits and little learnings that I've even had from clients. Um, if you want to book in to see me in the psychology sense, Ritual House is the website that you'd go to, or you can go onto their Instagram and book a, a session. Um, we also do just a free complimentary, basically a chemistry check, because a big thing with psychology is like, we have to be a good fit. And I'll say this to people all the time. Mm. Like if this is not working, do not stick it out with me. We'll find you someone else that's a mm. better fit for you because the therapeutic relationship mm. has to be solid. Um, it's just a big part of the success yeah. of therapy. So yeah, if, if, there are, if there's listeners um, that are women that want support with any real area of life, I kind of deal more broadly. Um, but I do have a lot of ADHD coming through at the moment. So it was perfect timing. Um, yeah, please reach out. I love that. That's I can lovely. vouch for Emma. She's an incredible person and yeah even better well she was great at teaching me at psychology so I can only imagine the psychologist that she mm. actually is <laughs> amazing Thanks, guys Sarah. well thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Emma she's got a wealth of knowledge so head over and check her out so I think after having this conversation, it is actually a perfect time to really highlight that if one of your goals, if one of the feelings that you are craving and desiring in 2024 is around, you know, having a healthy relationship, improving your sex life, getting intimacy with your significant other, then I cannot stress enough how perfect our intimacy challenge is going to be for you we have an intimacy challenge that is for ADHD is where you actually get to come and you get to learn about how your ADHD impacts your sex life impacts your connection with your partner and impacts the intimacy that you guys have together and what we do is over the course of seven weeks starting January 1st we actually one give you modules so it's kind of like a hybrid between a course and a challenge. So you get modules where you actually get to learn, but then every single week for seven weeks, we take you through a challenge. This challenge is not hard. It is not something that requires a significant amount of time. It's a fun challenge for you and your partner to do. 
And together over the seven weeks, for the first couple of weeks, we focus on reestablishing that connection with one another. And then we go into really creating intimacy and exploring what intimacy looks like through the challenges. And then the final weeks are sex. So you guys can give the gift of sex and intimacy to one another this Christmas if you would like. We do start January 1st. So if you are someone that is forward thinking, which if you're listening to this podcast, I almost guarantee that you that you are. We had over 100 people join us, couples actually join us last time and we're super excited to run it again. So check it out. Enrollment's now open. And you guys, if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure to check Emma out. Go give her a follow. And beautiful people, as we wrap up another episode, make sure to send through your questions and your bloopers through to Tara and Barry at, wait, no, just Tara and Barry on Instagram. Or the Tyron Barry Show. And as always, Baz. Five stars. Give us five stars, please, guys. We love reading your reviews and we can't wait to chat to you and see all of the amazing things that you guys get up to in the new year. Lots of love. Bye. See you next time. Bye.